0: Luke chapter 24, beginning to read. In actual, we'll start in verse 35, actually. And they began to relate the experiences on the road and how he, Jesus, was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you have doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. This is I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they could still not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of bread and a broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their sight. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Let's pray. Lord, this is such an incredible day for us. And we celebrate it on a yearly basis at the very minimum. And we celebrate it even like the Israelites were told to celebrate the different feasts and the different occasions of your intervention into their lives. So, Lord Jesus, we celebrate that as Christians. We celebrate your resurrection because it changed everything for us the hope that we now have in being resurrected with you, Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness of sins that we have through your blood, Jesus, we are so grateful for that. And so we stand here as people who belong to you, as sons and daughters who belong to you. And I pray, Lord, this morning as we go through your word, that you would help us to understand it. You would help us to embrace it and to implement it into our lives. And I pray, Lord, that not just this morning, but all afternoon and evening, this will be a great day of celebration the day that you gave us hope through the resurrection of the dead in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So what happens to us when we die? What happens when we die? It's one of the most critical questions. It's rhetorical, Ewan, good. <laughs> it's great. Uh, you can actually come up and take over for me. <laughs> it is, it's one of the most critical questions, and yet it's one of those questions that we don't ask. We avoid these questions, and uh, we do it by being so preoccupied. Our world, we are so preoccupied with so many things that we don't think about this question, what happens to us when we die? Humanity, of course, we don't spend much time talking about it, and we're distracted. But we've all got to face a question. But when was the last time you spoke with a co-worker about this? What happens to us when we die? Or a neighbor? Or even a family member? How often do we talk about this? But it's one of the most important questions we have to answer in our lives. For Christians, the answer to this question is very simple. It's all hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But secular people would like to keep living, but most of them don't really know. And recently, uh, just about a year or two ago, I, I read an article, and uh, there was a combination of, of science and artificial intelligent intelligence, and they put together this theory called the Dyson Sphere. And a Dyson Sphere was the idea that you could bring humans back from the dead, researchers were saying. And so transhumanists, uh, these guys Alexei Turchin and Maxim chernyakov Chutnik- outlined several paths towards immortality. And the research on this is really, again, a combination of science fiction, artificial intelligence, there's uh, universe simulations, and then, of course, this idea of this Dyson Sphere. Now, a Dyson Sphere is some kind of hypothetical megastructure that completely encompasses the stars. And the power that's needed for, for such artificial intelligence could not come from Tesla batteries, they would need a significant mega source of power, and of course somehow they're thinking they would grab uh, a hold of the power of the sun and absorb it through panels. And the idea is that people would not only theoretically defy death, but more fantastically, they would come back from the dead. The theory goes something like this. Your consciousness is somehow uploaded to a cloud. Whereby, in the future, that consciousness would then be inserted back into a new body, which is your now cloned body, and all this again is hinged on this kind of uh, artificial intelligence and science, etc., all coming to fruition. But they believe they could do it. Now, Hollywood—they loves this kind of—they love this kind of stuff. I mean, if you've uh, watched any movies, you've probably seen a movie or two about people who are cloned. Essentially, it's a do-over. You get a do-over in life. This is essentially what the Dyson Sphere is trying to pitch, something that they believe is going to be a reality in the future. So again, though, the question uh, that we started out with is, is is it a reality? Is it a reality? Can people continue to live on? Or if people die, can they come back from the dead? Can they come back and and can uh, this consciousness from the cloud be grabbed and inserted back into a clone of yourself? Well, it sounds very interesting. But for us who believe in the Bible, we know it's not going to happen. You see, the resurrection is not like that. From God's perspective, our life on this planet is all about time and and space and freedom to willfully choose God's offer of being related to him. We've got a lifetime to choose it. He gives us life, he gives us breath, and we have a lifetime to choose whether or not we'll take God's offer. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27 says that God made every human being and that he, he was the one who gave them life and breath. And the purpose of him giving us that life and breath is so that we would seek him out. And the Bible states that God wants everybody, he wants all of us to come into a relationship with him, according to 2 Peter 3, 9. But again, we have one lifetime. We have one lifetime to take God up on this offer. You see, the Bible makes it clear that when we are born, we are born with a death sentence. The moment you are born, you are born with a death sentence. Genesis chapter three, verse 19 puts it this way. From the sweat of your face, you will eat bread until you return to the ground because from it you were taken and you will, be, you will be put that back there again for you were uh, dust and to dust you shall return. You were dust and to dust you shall return. We're born with a death sentence as soon as we're born. And then once we die, we enter into something called the judgment. And Hebrews 9.27 talks about this judgment. It says, it, is a, it says here, It is a point for men to die once, and after that comes a judgment. It is a resurrection, but a resurrection unto judgment. Now at that judgment, we will all appear before the Lord in some, in some kind of resurrection, where there will be two possible outcomes. Option number one. Those who pass by the judgment of God because they believed in Jesus Christ. And they believed in Jesus Christ, so the judgment that was resting on them because of all the selfish actions they have done, and therefore the penalty from God on them for the selfish actions that they have done are completely removed because they believed in Jesus Christ and they've asked Him to forgive them of their sins. Such people confess their selfish actions to God ask them to forgive them, and then commit to a new life of Jesus Christ instead of their old life of selfish living and unloving actions. But then there's option number two. Those who have to stand before God and account for all the unloving acts that they have ever done and all of their selfishness. And such people are cast in the camp of the wicked where they will suffer punishment away from God for the crimes they have committed against humanity and against God. There are no do-overs. According to the Bible, there are no do-overs. You get one lifetime to choose God's offer of forgiveness. If you'll do you enter you'll enter into eternal life. With God once you have breathed your last breath, last breath, you enter into eternity with God. As we come to Easter then, there's only one who has ever been resurrected from the dead, and that's Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that his resurrection is the precursor for the resurrection of all of us who would believe in him. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20 to 24. I want to read it to you. It says this. The fact that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest of those who will be raised to life again. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, Adam, Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Christ. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. But all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. But there is an order to the resurrection. Christ was raised. Then when Christ comes back, all his people will be raised. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father having put down all the enemies of every kind. You see, Jesus' bodily resurrection stands as the first fruits of those of us who will be resurrected after Him, whereby we will see Him, and we will see Him for who He is, because we will actually be just like Him. So what is it like to be resurrected, and what is our bodily resurrected state going to be like for those who believe in Jesus Christ? Well, there's a little bit of a mystery to it. Um, Sometimes uh, when Jesus appeared, and we were talking about that as a choir, sometimes when Jesus appeared, people didn't understand him and they didn't recognize who he was. You Remember Mary Magdalene, she sees him in the garden and she thinks he's a gardener when she first sees him. There's something about him that she doesn't quite understand, it's Jesus. Do you remember Peter and the boys, they're fishing and Jesus calls them from the shore and they don't know it's Jesus. Or Emmaus, the road to Emmaus, uh, Cleopas and another guy, and Jesus comes and walks among them, and they don't know it's him to begin with. So there is some kind of mystery to this new body. But then their eyes were opened, and they understood that he was Jesus. They knew something was different about him in the initial conversation at first, but there is some kind of mystery attached until their eyes were opened, and then they understood who he was, and they saw him in the new bodily state as Jesus Christ. In this new resurrected body, again, which is the first fruits of those who are going to believe in him, so those who believe in him are going to have a new resurrected body just like his. In his new resurrected body, he did have flesh and bones. He could be touched and he could be held. He carried on conversations and he ate food. And I like this, he continued on in the relationships where he had previously left off. So after he had died and was resurrected, he continued on in the relationships that he had. It wasn't, oh, I don't know who you are. We got to start from the beginning. They continued on in those relationships. All of these are what we are to expect when we rise from the dead as well. The Bible says, that, uh, says this, that we who believe in Jesus will be just like him. 1 John 3, 2. We know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And so as Christians, we all look forward to this very much. When we are resurrected with Jesus and all the other believers and get to be with him for all eternity. The reason Jesus was resurrected was because he had done no wrong. And no other human being could ever make that claim. And therefore, we all must die. But those who put their hope and trust in Jesus Christ, there is a hope of the resurrection. A hope of the reality of the resurrection from the dead, a new body waiting for us, where we will then be with Jesus for all eternity. And so this day, this Easter day, we will celebrate, and we already have been in singing, and we'll continue to celebrate all day. Why? Because this is the day that everything changed in history. And what the Israelites used to do is they were told to celebrate yearly feasts to God in memorials of what God had done to the Israelites as believers in in God. Now we as Christians, Easter is like a memorial to us. That's why we celebrate it every year.
1: Thank you for listening to this sermon.
0: For more information on our church or this recording, please contact us at
1: www.pineridgehouse.com.